welcome to this episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brantley Palmer, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Mr. Nicholas Schwartz. Nick, how are you doing? I'm great, Brantley. How are you today? I am doing... Tonight. Yes, tonight. Yeah, no, I'm doing great. I'm doing especially great because we're joined today by the co-host of the Five Day Rentals Podcast, a fellow father and husband, and the man with all of 5DR's further research. It's Laundry Dan. Dan... Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I should say coming back on the podcast because uh, you have been here before when we drafted our 80s mega draft with all the five-day rentals guys, and we've been kind of getting all of you back on in solo episodes, and we finally got you on for yours. Yeah, you know, got a victory there, hoping to get a victory here tonight, you know. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of victories, you brought us uh, this topic of remakes, because that is what we're going to be drafting tonight, folks. Horror remakes. Um, before we get into everything, I mean, what, what made you want to go with this topic? I mean, I'm not really a remakes guy. I mean, tickets not bought whenever they announce a remake, but I thought it would make a really good horror drafts episode. Mm-hmm. Um I think earlier this year there was a certain movie, Evil Dead Rise, that was released. So naturally a lot of the websites and all that come out and watch the remake. And then they're all like, oh, it's so great. But all I can remember was people shitting on it whenever it came out. So, but, And that just kind of got me thinking, like, I think remakes would be really good to do. Hmm. And there's a shit ton of them out there. Yeah, there definitely are. We were kind of chatting before we started recording where, you know, I thought this was going to be a difficult list to put together. Really what I thought was like, okay, there's a handful at the top that are really good. And then there's kind of a long gap. And then there's like, okay, kind of ones basically. But I was actually able to put together a pretty decent list um, with many, many alternates if need be. Um, Much easier than I was expecting to. So yeah, there's, there's a ton of them out there for sure. Uh, yeah, what well, I'm curious what, well, you'll be, unless you don't want to be, but of course you can be commissioner, having, you know, brought the topic to us and also being our guest, and that's how we how we roll here. So, um, but regardless of whether you're going to be the commissioner, what were your criteria in terms of, like, you think a remake is a really cut and dry category, but I mean, like, it really depends, it can be stretched. I mean, is it a remake of an original property? Is it a readaptation of source material that was separate from a movie that an original movie also adapted. And this is just a readaptation of it. Is it, you know, does it have to be, can it be a comedy remake of an original film that was a horror movie? Where, where, how do you define it? I mean, any remake that has to do with horror, that's how I kind of did my research. So, I mean, I know there are some iffy ones out there, but, uh, I mean, yeah, as commissioner, I'll address that, I guess. (laughs) Outstanding. All right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I I tried to stay primarily in just the horror range, and I tried to avoid, because I was looking at some lists, and I was, even like the, the Wikipedia's entry of like all these horror remakes, some that they listed were like the same filmmaker remaking their short film. Yeah. Yes, I noticed that. Lights Out. Yeah, Lights Out. That's exactly the one I saw. I was like, I yep. didn't know that was a remake, and I looked at it, only to that find out. Count. Yeah, and that's why I was like, okay, 
that doesn't count. I'm not considering like a director remaking their short film as a remake. That seems like nah. a little beyond the pale for, for this. Um, yeah, I don't even think they had Smile, which is also the exact same situation. And I, it's weird that they chose one and not the other. Yeah. The criteria seems weird. Well, I know that there's, like we mentioned also before the pod, that there's some movies that have multiple remakes. And on mm-hmm. that wiki list, there'd only be like one entry yes. or two for ones that had multiple ones, which I thought was interesting as well. Yeah, I used that as a as a jumping off point, like as a springboard. But mm-hmm. I did that. That was a not. It was a very imperfect list. I'll say yes, for sure, um, for sure. As much on helpful. Wikipedia is, unfortunately, yeah, yeah it's, it that's is true. It is a tertiary source. It's why you wouldn't. Uh, it's not a scholarly source or a secondary <laughs> source. You wouldn't cite it because it is, uh, you know, an encyclopedia source essentially. But no, it's unlike good. ChatGPT, oh Wikipedia yeah. is not. <laughs> A reliable source. Of well, ChatGPT is the most reliable source on the internet. Everybody, I don't know if currently. Yeah, if you've if you have never used it, trust me, nothing it says is ever incorrect. It's always right, and it's very confident about its right answers, which is great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Wikipedia is great for citation mining. That's what I would say. So if mm. you see something like a fact and it's got a citation, if you go to the actual citation, then you can usually, you know, source those things and, and use those citations to get sources. Uh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good advice. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's the li- Brantley's librarian tip of the day. Uh, it's a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of the shenanigans, Dan. You're probably rolling your eyes over there. At, uh, nah. at I love it. <laughs> I love horror dress. Thanks uh, for having me. Well, you guys are the best. I we mean, love you. Thank we you. Do. Yeah, it's it's so nice having all the five DR guys back on here. Um, yeah, you know, we we had so much fun going on your guys's podcast. We had so much fun when you guys were all here together drafting '80s horror films. So it's nice to get some one-on-one time with each of the co-hosts here on the yeah, horror I mean, dress pod. You had the rest. Now you got the best. I mean, yeah, there nobody likes those other two guys. Come on, you know, <laughs> you don't have to be nice to them, especially Karan. That guy sucks. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Love you. Well, I gotta say, you know, and I mean, it's the least we could do having you on the podcast here because I just I feel so bad for you every time I listen to Five DR and you miss Brian De Palma when he shows up every time. You know, it's just man, Tell this you. poor this poor Dan. I keep thinking to myself, a guy that loud and obnoxious, and somehow I just miss out. Yeah, exactly. I hear him from across the room. Shit. <laughs> All right. Well, Dan. You know how we always start this app. We go in nice and easy. Just check what you've been watching, listening to, reading, or otherwise enjoying. What have you been enjoying lately? Oh, man. Um, I've been doing some reading. Ooh. Um, everything I need learned about film, I learned from the Toxic Avenger. Nice. Uh, so I've been going through that. Uh, there's some crazy stuff in there, but it's a pretty good read so far. It's about the dude, uh, the trauma dude who created it and just how he kind of got started and all that. So, and, uh, for movies, uh, we just covered tough guys. Don't dance. I'm that was a trip. Uh, it's still with me. (laughs) If you get a chance, it's a wild one, but okay. uh, and uh yeah resident evil 4 been trying to chip away at that i don't get as much time as the other two but Hmm. but yeah that's about it uh we've been doing ted lasso with the lady but Hmm. it's kind of a downer this season hasn't really grabbed me 
Yeah, we're a few episodes in, and uh, it was really easy to just set it aside and go back to Secession, because uh, we're catching up on Secession. We had never watched it until recently, and now we're into the second season. But yeah, we're just like, eh, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's not it's hitting as hard, yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't, uh, oh gosh, I don't even know, maybe I'm telling tales out of school here. Never mind, I don't say. I thought, it, <laughs> I thought someone involved with it was, like wasn't as involved this season or something like that. I thought season three was no, that sounds right. done. Oh, he should have been done with season two, you say? Well, no, I thought season three was going to be the f- final season, but from oh. where we're at, unless there's like another 20 episodes, I'm like, they're not literally wrapping anything up here. <laughs> oh, I, had, I hadn't heard it was supposed to be. So, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they, maybe they have some other further plans. I, mean, I think it was... Um, Bill Lawrence, does that sound right? I think he had gone and done that other Apple TV show, Shrinking, or something. Uh, I think I think maybe he wasn't as involved this season, but okay. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's as hundred percent accurate. Who knows? Sounds right. Yeah. yeah, he's still in the credits, of course. But I mean, well, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shrinking's not bad. We watched that as well. Yeah, we haven't watched that yet. There's like there's a list of shows that my wife and I were like, oh, we both are interested in that, so let's watch yeah. that together. And then we just don't have a lot of time. So it just, it gets, that list just keeps to growing, it seems like. Oh, yeah. So outside of, yeah, yeah. So outside of Secession, I don't think we really, I have, I don't think I've really been watching that much except for stuff for this show or research wise, you know, for, um, with Gorley and Russ. So I mean, you know, yeah, I don't really have much more to add, unfortunately. It's basically Secession. That's that's really it, and then and then some remakes. I was trying to get in here. What about you, Nick? I'm in a similar boat, Brantley. I, I outside of Hard Rest, I think I've only watched one thing, but it was it was a great thing. It was a little documentary called Everything oh. to Entertain You, which is uh, a film made by uh, one Brantley Palmer. Oh, I heard and, about that. Uh, it's a damn good one, and yeah, I'm really psyched. It was really great because. Candidly, I've I've known this was in the works for a while, but I got my first look at it, and it was the full look at the whole. So it was like an awesome way to just dive right in, and that's great. Really excited about it. Well, you flatter me, and that is very kind. No, of it's you, true. <laughs> no, well, I mean a lot. Everyone listening to this podcast is probably going to love it. It's right up there. It's like subject matter that will be very appealing, I think, to anyone interested in horror movies for starters. But just home video, everything. It's great. I won't say anything more. I probably already said too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I can't wait to watch it. It's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's an hour-long documentary about the uh, former video store I used to work at that just also happened to be one of the best in the country. So that's what that's about. And Nick is being very kind. He's also burying the lead in that he's going to help me, since he's a professional editor, to... Uh, to uh, improve upon its current state and help me with some finishing uh, stuff with it. So um, he's being very generous and helping me in that regard. Oh, I, I'm the least I could do. I'm super excited. Um, it was really good. It's really good. I'm not, I'm not just saying that you are I, overselling I want, it, sir. <laughs> I'm not, I want people to watch it. It's really interesting subject matter. I think anyone, I mean, Hey, listen, if there's any audience to pitch this movie to, I mean, this is it, I think so. Um, there you go. You guys need to check it out. All right. So 
it, it is it's being submitted to some festivals now i will i guess we'll keep people posted uh on the podcast how how things are going with it how's that sound Oh, yeah. I'll make sure we do. Yes. Okay. Because you know, it's not. It probably won't be available for a little while. So, but I'll. We'll keep everyone posted if if anything comes of it. We'll see. I will send all of you a link tonight. <laughs> yes. And, and it's to- everyone you win, who listens. You win awards. It totally changes your intro for our show. Oh. So, okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Award winning. I feel filmmaking. like every, every indie filmmaker has like award-winning filmmaker in front of their their moniker basically. It's true. They've like picked something up at a festival here or there or something. I can assure you that 5 Day Reynolds isn't going to have nothing in front of their names. Except for <laughs> trash idiots. <laughs> no way. They'll be winning a podcast awards I bet. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's what I say. What's the, the Razzies of podcast? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know how to transition out of this. So uh, <laughs> we're just going to move yeah. into the draft now. <laughs> Let's do All this. right. Nick, you're very kind, but you flustered me. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, um, all right. So well, we talked a little bit about remakes. We talked about kind of how we're approaching it. It sounds like Commissioner Dan is taking some real real leeway if it's as long as it's horror related it's going to count but you know we'll see as we get into the draft um now before we began recording we rolled our trusty four-sided die uh the order is thus uh, i will be going first then it will be dan and then nick but we all know because this is a snake style draft that nick just gets that first pick of the second round um so without further ado let's get into it gentlemen um Going into this draft, I said horror remakes, boy, there's a couple, there's just like a handful at the very top that are just real stellar, I thought. And then I think there's probably going to be like a big gap after that. So there's two real primo ones that I thought of, I always think of immediately as like the best horror remakes, in that they are specifically better than the original films, I think. Um, and of those two the one that I would have to go with as the number one, which I can't think of any other horror remake to take number one overall. It is John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Um, Came out the same day as Blade Runner. Came out either a couple weeks before or after E.T. I don't remember exactly. Got just napalmed with reviews. Just everybody hated this thing when it came out. Uh, and did very poorly at the box office. This thing was going to be written off, basically, and then it gained a cult following, and now we think of it as the classic that it is today. Uh, Absolutely stellar film. One of my favorites from John Carpenter. Um, I could bore you with details about research of it, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go to Dan, our guest. Dan, what do you got to say about The Thing? It's a certified five-star banger. Um, I should have mentioned that. Yes, it is. I agree. This should be number one on this draft. Um, There might be some disagreement in that with some other people. Original came out in 1951. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you said, total bomb, but it's just so good. I mean, everybody's talked about it, so I mean, you can't really, what more are you going to add? 
<laughs> I'm actually going to have to stop you there, Dan. I believe Five Day Reynolds was the only podcast to ever talk about The Thing, actually. So you say everyone, but I think you're a little mistaken there. Well, we were the very first podcast. Oh, to the first. Okay, so okay. Now that it's out, I think, you know, multiple episodes have come out from other podcasts, which is cool. That's fine. Gotcha. But we were gotcha. the first. Yes, yes. I should have mentioned it as a five-star banger because the boys at Five Day Reynolds had covered it. That is my fault, folks. I apologize. I will do better in the future, Dan. I promise. Oh, you're fine, Brantley. <laughs> I don't... Uh, who knows if another one will show up. <laughs> uh, Nick, what do you what do you want to say about The Thing? Uh, I don't have anything to add. Um, it Of John Carpenter's films it's actually one of my least watched not because i don't like it but i'm, I'm just really not that familiar with it um and i've never seen the original so I, I really could i can't add anything about you know comparing it to the to the original either but um yeah i mean obviously it's, it's a great movie yeah no it's fantastic um this is another one where um you know i've, I've praised kevin yeager in the past and was always amazed that he was like 21 years old when he was designing chucky and making him move and everything in that original film and this is another film that's just like that with rob botin he's like 22 i think when he's making this and he wow. broke out actually in the howling which shot when he was like 19 or 20 right so he's making this like he's coming off of that basically uh and he talked about how he basically spent like a little over a year like like just living at the studio literally sleeping at the studio and not going home to get everything done that needed to get done because he was very um what's the word i'm looking for here he was very ambitious with this project in fact to the point where john carpenter was like are you sure you can do all of this and he was like no but i'm gonna figure it out basically and uh and uh really just killed it with the practical effects in this movie they were unbelievable and uh <laughs> there's a funny there's a funny thing where they were like the first time that they go to the Norwegian outpost and they, the guy had like slit his wrist and he's like sitting there frozen and everything. And they said that they were looking at it and they're like, ah, oh, this doesn't, ah, oh, this doesn't, doesn't look real. It's not gonna, it's not gonna read very well. And Rob Boutine was like, just wait till I get the gel on it. It's going to come alive. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I just, I love these like young superstar, like uh, special effects guys who just like, are making these like absolute classics when they're like babies i mean 22 is like nothing nowadays right i mean i just like i look at 22 year olds and i'm like you're a child and it's crazy to me that these guys were just doing that um when they were that young so i mean i could go on and on i, I just had to do research um recently for this movie so anyway it's just um absolute banger of a movie five star banger five star special effects um and a killer killer film that's the number one choice we're going to our guest laundry dan you're now up with the second pick of the first round well i think there's uh one that has to go here which is probably coming to mind for everybody else and that's 1986 uh directed by david cronenberg it's the fly guys i mean it's remade from 1958 i believe the title is the same the fly i think there was a sequel to that as well i thought mm-hmm. but i'm not to sure. both i think to the original yeah, and, the, and the remake well and yeah. yeah the remake as well um i mean just like the thing what more can you say the the practicals are amazing uh, you got jeff goldblum is wonderful performance um it's just so fun it's a gnarly gnarly trip of a movie if you haven't seen it 
whew, you're in for a treat. Uh, I mean, I, to this day, I spit on my sandwich before I eat it. I mean, it's just wonderful. <laughs> Don't we all digest food that way? I thought that, you know, I learned it from there, you know. <laughs> I was weirded out the first time I saw someone not do that. Mm. Yeah, it was weird. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the other, of course, you know, absolute top one that you think of, I think, when you think about remakes. So I think we've we've hit the the two main nails on the head here with these top two choices. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the lovely Gina Davis that is also in this film that mm. not just graces us with her absolute stunning beauty, but with her stunning acting chops because she kills it in this movie. Uh, I'd say arguably as good as Jeff Goldblum in this film. And... Um, Fantastic, fantastic actress, fantastic movie. I'm going to shimmy it on your way, Nick. What do you want to say about The Fly? Oh, I think I've discussed The Fly in this pod before, so I don't think I have much to add. It would have been my next choice, but obviously it's been swept up. Mm-hmm. Great. One of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movies, period. Not just remakes, not just horror films. It's incredible. Nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. It's one of your favorites, but you don't have too much more to say? I mean, it's just a great movie it's and we've talked about how it's like it's so sleek it's like 90 minutes it's so you know it's just there's it's there's no fat on that movie it's Mm. just like it's just and obviously dan mentioned the effects and the performances are great um it's weirdly affecting and like touching which you wouldn't expect going into it it's just Mm -hmm. got it's got it all going it's funny it's violent it's great and uh grosses me out till this day yeah, it's still. I know it's just as effective today as I imagine it was in 1986 when I didn't see it because I was being born. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I love it. One of my favorites. Awesome. Uh, well, that's the first two choices. But Nick, you're now on the clock with a third choice of the first round. Yeah. So um, I might kick myself later for not picking one that I'm afraid is going to get taken, but. It just follows the fly so so well. I'm just gonna go with with this. It's um and maybe arguably another movie that I think, um, I think it I think it was received pretty positively when it was released. But I think now especially it's it's looked at as one of the classic remakes, um, and that is 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which also features Jeff Goldblum. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Donald Sutherland, Leonard Nimoy. Um, and this is one that I saw for the first time this week, actually, which I've been meaning to see forever. In fact, I saw that it was on Amazon Prime, and then also saw that it was on HBO, wound up watching it on HBO, turned it off and realized that it was sitting on my shelf, and I've had it on Blu-ray for like 10 years. <laughs> um, but yeah, finally had a chance to see it. And um, the original is a movie that I have not seen since high school. I saw it in um, actually a science fiction like English course. Um, oh. like literature course we did science fiction we watched a bunch of movies um, uh, one of which I think my fondness which I've also talked about on this podcast for um, Kenneth Branagh's uh, Frankenstein probably comes from that class when I first saw that but um, yeah the original is, is incredible it's a classic um, I wish I remembered it better so that mm. I could speak more to the comparison this is one of the ones where um both were based on you know pre-existing source materials so it's like is one of the reasons i brought that up in the beginning of the podcast is like is this a remake of the movie or is this just another adaptation of the book and it's just it's all silly and semantics basically it's it's yeah it's the same story 
And it's really, really, really good. I'd heard my father tell me about it because he saw it in San Francisco, um, oh. where uh, where it takes place, and told me walking out of the theater it was one of the creepiest experiences of his life, um, <laughs> which I can totally see. But it's just it's the paranoia. Um, there's some stuff that I wish they like kept up with more. Like early on in the movie, a lot of the background actors kind of are staring at. They're just like very much in the background, kind of looking suspiciously towards the main characters, and that once the outbreak, sort of like the pandemic, kind of really starts, that that drops off because at that point everyone is, and it, it's just an element that I thought they did really well that I wish they'd pursued. But other than that, wow, uh, great, great movie, good effects. It's creepy as all hell, um, terrifying to think just not just the paranoia, but just like how quickly this all happens from the initial suspicion that something is a little bit off to like the entire world being taken over is terrifying to think about um also wow what a pg rated movie (laughs) pre pg-13 rating pg movies were fantastic and this has it all all right i'm done speaking about this movie (laughs) dan i want to know what you if you've seen this one and what you thought i have seen it seen it a few years ago for the first time um i said I got down a character-driven slow burn, man. Uh, it takes a while, but it's worth it. Uh, great practical effects, especially with the plants. Uh, great acting, of course. Uh, great telephone movie. Like, you don't realize how much uh, Don- Donald Sutherland uses the phone in this movie if you watch it again. I probably ruined it for you now. You're like, God damn it, you use the phone all the time in this damn thing. But, uh, yeah, I did rewatch it, <clears throat> but... The pacing works. It's like I said, it's a slower one, but and just small little things that are creepy as hell, like you said. So yeah, I agree. Good, good pick. Yeah, Thank great you. choice. I don't know if I have too much more to add than what you two have already said. This is another one uh, like you, Dan. I didn't see until a couple of years ago for the first time. I'd heard a lot of people say that they liked it more than the original, and I've always been a big fan of the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So I was like, ah, come on, no way. And I think it's really great. I think they're both like – it's hard for me to say one's better than the other. I think they're both really fantastic movies, um, and they're they're fantastic in their own ways, essentially. Um, but yeah, I love, I love this one as well. I think it's killer. I think, you know, Donald Sutherland is fantastic in it. And so much of the, like you guys have mentioned, the practical effects and the creepiness of it is just like really hits home. Um, it's a, it's a great pick. Thank you. Yeah, man. Well, thanks. Thanks. You are still on the clock because you have the first pick of the second round now, Nick. I know, I just realized my fear of someone taking one of my next choices was like totally unfounded. I forgot all about that. Um, This is where it's going to get interesting. So here we go. I actually don't know that anyone's going to take this one, but uh, it's another one that I saw finally for the first time this week that had kind of always been on my list because I loved the original so much. Um, But had heard that this one was was great, but also just so similar that I felt like I didn't need to see it. It was one of those. Um, And that is um, Matt Reeves' Let Me In. The oh. remake of Let the Right One In um, from 2010, I believe. Yep. Um, Damn it, Nick. I'm just over here Xing stuff out. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I uh, I actually wasn't. Yeah, I didn't know uh, if this was going to go or not. So I figured it'd probably be 
one of the reasons I wanted to take it early is because unlike a lot of remakes that I'm sure will be on this list, this one actually did receive really, really positive reviews. Um, as did obviously the original Let the Right One In. Um, and this is yet another one based off of the original novel. So, And I remember specifically in 2010 when I had just seen Let the Right One In and I was like, this movie is a masterpiece. I love it. And Matt Reeves was making Let Me In. And I remember in interviews he was specifically saying, well... I don't like to call it a remake. This is just another reimagining of the source material. I'm just adapting the novel again. I'm not remaking the movie. And regardless of whether he did or did not do that, I mean, it's obviously so similar. Um, but that's not a fault because it's fantastic. Um, once again, incredible performances from child actors. Um, just great cinematography, um, creepy atmosphere, uh, again, weirdly uh, touching and affecting, kind of like The Fly. Um, and yeah, I mean, really, it's been a while since I've seen the original Swedish one, but um, th- I mean, this one, I, I would hold, you know, they're neck and neck. I'd hold them right up next to each other. I think they're both masterpieces. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually thought this was going to be one I'd be able to pick up in a later round. I didn't think this was going to go yep. so high here as the first pick of the second. Um, but fantastic pick. This is also the first that comes in this block of like 09 and 2010 where there's just a lot of horror remakes, I feel like. Yes. And uh, so it's it's interesting that we've, we've touched now in that area already because I think that's kind of – it was really wild how many there were. There's like these little sections, right? You have some in the late 70s, early 80s, which we got with these first three. You've got a couple in the early 2000s, like when they're remaking J-horror films. Like the re- oh, Actually, I shouldn't oh, say yeah. any others. Never mind. I'm not going to say any others. You're and giving me st- ideas. No, it's I okay. Know, I I know. Know. <laughs> and then they start doing like a, a couple other classics. But then that 09 to 2010 sweet spot is where it really kicks into high gear, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's this true. Is, that's interesting. Yeah, but this one is great. This is fantastic. Uh, absolutely amazing remake. Um, I love both versions, the original Swedish version and this version. Um, and I agree that, you know, even though it's like remake, it's, you know, a, a different adaptation of the source material, etc. It is incredibly similar still, and yet yeah. it, I don't find that as a detraction. It still is like a really compelling version um, uh, of that story, basically. Totally, um, yeah. Yeah, it was funny, like, re- well, again, it had been, like, 10 years since I saw the um, the original, but I still, it's a memorable movie, and I loved it, and so it was interesting watching this one and knowing which beats to expect, but mm-hmm. then wondering, like, as I realized how good this remake was, wondering, like, well, actually, you know, I'm not disappointed that I'm not going to be surprised by what's about to happen. I'm actually really curious to see how Matt Reeves handles this and mm-hmm. whether, I, you know, and then comparing the two, which is usually something I don't like doing during remakes because, you know, it takes me out of the movie to just compare it to a previous piece of, you know, of cinema or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but in this case, I found that really kind of entertaining. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it is its own kind of beast, like watching it for the interest in how a different person does that sort of adaptation work rather than, you know, what the mystery of the story is, basically. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Dan, what about you, man? What do you uh, want to say about Let Me In? You seemed a little frustrated that Nick took it so early. <laughs> I said I thought I could get it in the later rounds. Let's be honest with Let uh, Let Me In. It's just a reason for Americans not to read subtitles. Um, You're right. <laughs> because Matt Reeves does a wonderful job uh, getting that 
yellow color in there from like the original. Um, I think he made the characters a little more, the audience cares for them a little bit more than the original. The original kind of had a dark, grimier feeling, I think. Um, Richard Jenkins does a wonderful job Mm -hmm. and that car crash is, it's good cinema right there, that car crash. But, uh, Yeah, man, I agree. I think it's great. Uh, I, like I said, I've always wrote off remakes pretty early on. I'm like, I've seen Let the Right One In. I don't need to see this one. And I watched it for the first time for this one. And uh, I liked it, man. I think it's good. I think he did a good job. He justified it. There you go. We'll say that. There you go. (laughs) Well, Dan, we finished up. Nick's pick here and let me in, but that just means you're now on the clock with the second pick of the second round. All right, boys. Um, in my head, I worked out the first round. It didn't go. Two went that I thought were going, but I had a feeling something else was coming in. Um, so I drafted this with those already out of it, and my top pick for that is from 1979. Nosferatu, the vampire, mm. directed by none other than Horner Herzog. Um, man, what a, what a, I just talked about a justification for a remake. I mean, the technology in 1979, I mean, was way better than 1922. So uh, just get some great shots. The cinematography is oh, fucking amazing in this movie. Uh, the color tones, the shadow and the light work that's going on here. I just think it works so well for Nosferatu. I mean, it's probably been redone. I don't know how many times. I think there's a certain director who's working on it now uh, that should be pretty exciting to see. But um, I love it, man. I think it's a really good remake. uh, And it's super entertaining every time I watch it. Gentlemen. Nice. Yeah, excellent pick. So it has been a very long time since I've seen it. I definitely enjoyed it a lot when I watched it. I love the original Nosferatu, too. I remember picking up that on fucking DVD when it first came out and everything and being like, oh, hell yeah. Um, Yeah, this one's great. It's like such, such a fun way to take that story into that modern time when it was made and like do a couple of things that they wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to do in uh, 1922, let's say. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's been a long time, so it's tough for me to like discuss too much about it. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Nick. What would you like to say about this film? Uh, I can't say anything about it. I've never seen it. I've seen the original. Um, I saw the original with a live orchestra, which was like fucking awesome. That's and I sweet. think after that, I was like, didn't think to watch any other version of Nosferatu. I was like, I think I've seen it. Um, but I forgot that he had done one. That's weird. That seems to be another era of remakes, just like the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Wasn't King Kong remade in the late 70s or yep. mid-70s? Okay. Those are the only ones I can remember, actually. So there's at least yeah. three. But there's a couple, but, um, you know, a couple big high-profile remakes and stuff that we're still talking about nowadays. Like, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. That is true, yeah. But no, I've got to see it now. Um, that sounds great. Yeah, I think it's on uh, Shutter. They got it on there. Oh, yeah. Do they really? Right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I think it went on perfect. there recently. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. I believe. I could be wrong. It could have been on there a while ago. I'm not sure. Uh, okay. Brantley. 
I know. So now I'm back on the board. I have the last pick. I keep saying on the board. I'm now on the clock. I have the last pick of the second round with the back-to-back and the first pick of the third round. We've been doing a lot of the classics, these 70s and 80s. Let Me In is the only one that's brooched, bro, bro, breached, broached into the... Oh, God, I don't know. This is the only one we have from this new millennium, basically. <laughs> that's uh, true. And I can't talk anymore, I guess. Um, I'm actually a little surprised that uh, this next one I'm going to take was still on the board here. Um, and I'd be curious what your two's thoughts are of it because it hasn't been drafted in the first two rounds so far um i'm gonna take the evil dead remake from 2013 um and i'm i'm honestly surprised that i'm still i'm able to grab this here at the end of the second um an absolutely gnarly movie but in the best possible way um i think it was very smart just not even having an ash character in it because why try to improve upon what was already perfection in the original you know run of the films um i like the idea of them going to the cabin to help get their friend clean basically like that's a great a great like reason to have them all there and just the way that things devolve um what a blood-soaked absolute nightmare fuel this movie is and so absolutely fun i i I love this remake i think it's fantastic and i was and that's a shock because i know you've mentioned nick how like you didn't want anything to do with it when you'd heard (laughs) it was being remade in the first place and that was kind of how i felt too but then after reluctantly watching it was pleasantly surprised basically yeah i totally agree i did that's it was right well, we've talked about how we met. Yep. <laughs> Freshman year of college, you were wearing an Evil Dead hat, so that yep. forms the basis of this podcast. Um, an Evil and it was Dead that love year. Story. <laughs> it's a great love story. It is, and uh, and it was um, and it was that year when they. I think I don't know if that was when they announced the remake, but that was when Sean William Scott was really rumored to play the Ash character. There was a lot of talk about that. Uh, 2004. So that's when when I say like I was really dreading the idea of an Evil Dead remake. It was around that time, and then it was in development hell forever. And by the time it actually got made and like Diablo Cody was involved, right? She wrote it. Not Diablo Cody. Yeah, Diablo Cody, right? Or was she involved in an earlier version of it or or was it this final one? I I don't recall exactly. she wrote it. I think she, because she wrote Juno, right? Am I thinking of the right person? Yeah, okay, so she did write it. Yeah, she wrote the, I think her, the getting clean aspect was what she, the element that she brought into the, Uh, I don't know if she wrote the final screenplay, but yeah, I think that was her. Um, But yeah, what a surprise. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, I remember sitting in the theater when the credits were rolling uh, and just thinking, mm-hmm. like, that was so much better than it has any right to be. And the reason I think it's better and the reason that I think it belongs on this list is um, they wisely did not try and just, as you said, not even just the Ash character, which obviously would have been like a grave sin to, to include, but they didn't really even remake the mood of the original, the feel of the original, like all of that crazy inventive camera work and stuff. I mean, this is a good looking movie, but for different mm-hmm. reasons, um, all of that stuff that really made me want to become a filmmaker when I saw Sam Raimi's original, um, it, it's all, this is just like a very straight horror retelling of this story. There's nothing yes. funny or campy about it. Um, and, uh, and it's brutal. Um, and 
yeah, like if you ever wanted to see just a straight horror version of that movie, like this is you couldn't have asked for anything better than this. Yeah, exactly. And um, I did look it up. So Fetty Alvarez, who's also the director, was a credited screenwriter, as is Rodo Sayagues. Um, those are the two credited screenplay by writers oh. and, and Sam Raimi for based on the motion right. picture of the evil dead kind of thing. So it sounds like maybe she had an earlier version and possibly aspects of it like that. Um, Could be it. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the getting clean were a part of it. Um, Cause I feel like, I, I feel like you had mentioned her before in relation to the remake. And I was just like, I didn't know that. Like I, I, I for whatever reason, it had lost my mind or left my mind. If that had been the case. Let me look that up now. But yeah. What about you, Dan? Yeah. Um, wasn't it, it's on my? It wasn't even on my altar. Li- or, or wow, he hates list. the Evil Dead. Really. <laughs> <We don't, clears throat> I will say at the Five Dr. Camp, we get Evil Dead, but we're not we're not the world's biggest Evil Dead guys. So I knew gotcha. this one was you two were gonna fight over, and I could uh. move on to be sneakier. But um, mm-hmm. I watched it. Was it last year or the year before, finally? Um, it's bleak. It's it's tough. It's hardcore, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like that they didn't throw ash in there. Uh, it, it, it is what it is, I guess, for me. Oh. I, I, I didn't hate it, like I said. I, <laughs> but that was one when Evil Dead Rise came out. I'm like, now everybody's going to freak out about the 2013 remake and say how great it is. Which is fine. And they they have been. Which and is now, good, I guess. Now for the I've movie. just done it. <laughs> I played <laughs> right is, into the hand you thought a I good was going pick. to. It's a good remake. <laughs> I will say that. Yes. Was the drag me to hell poster that I seen today was that real or fake? What do you mean? I seen a poster today for drag me to hell. Oh, what? for real? Yeah. That's got to be fake. And I was like, that, oh, yeah, I, I don't think this is real it. or not. I haven't heard of that. It said so coming soon, and I was like, I don't even remember right. where I seen it. It might have been on Instagram. Could you guys imagine being such a such a accomplished director that not only do you have these like classics in the genre, and then you go on to like usher in this new wave of filmmaking and like comic book movies, or really like break the mold with the first Spider Man, but now you're just making tons of money from people remaking the movies you made oh, within or making sequels and shit <laughs> man sam raimi is like living the friggin' life right now jesus i mean i watched the quick and the dead for the first time this year i love that movie i that enjoyed movie it rips. i love yeah. drag me to hell i think it's great too so well i'm surprised nick i thought the se- your second round choice was going to be evil dead when you were like oh if i pick this i might not get this other one and then you went let me in which surprised me i thought you would have gone evil dead there yeah, no, I don't know why I didn't pick it sooner, but um, I'm glad it was chosen. Uh, oh. And I did, I just looked it up. So Diablo Cody, she did rewrites. She did like a polished draft oh. after they had written it. Oh, so gotcha. I might be wrong. It might not have been her idea to do the getting clean thing. But well, she... polished, polished, it sounds like she really like probably punched up a lot of stuff. And that could have been like, you know, something they worked in or maybe like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd be curious to read more about it. But yeah, I knew I knew her name was involved somehow. But yeah, okay. great, great pick. Did you guys so ever like get she... around to Jennifer's body? Oh, I loved. I haven't. No, I still have a snake that hadn't seen it. Okay. Yeah, that, was that movie. That movie's yeah. great. It's good. It's fantastic. 
Yeah. I got to put that high on my list. Is that on Shudder? Where can I watch that? It might be Good on... question. I thought it was on Prime or... I'm going to make a note. Tubi, right maybe? I don't know. <clears throat> oh, Tubi might have it. Yeah, Jennifer. Just download that Just Watch app. You can just type it in and tell you where it's at. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to keep overselling it, Nick, but I do think it's no. good. No, it's, I definitely want to see it. Um, yeah, that's funny, because, right, she wrote that, and it was like that was like a year before. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. That was like 2010, so it was a couple of years before yeah. Evil Dead, 20, like yeah. three years. But, yeah, I remember first reading. Yeah, okay, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> do really want to see it. When were we talking about that? Which episode? We were talking about that. Oh, my gosh, what was it? Was it, was it The Final Girls? Yeah, I think yes, that was it. that makes yeah. sense. It probably yeah, because they drafted Letty. Yeah, yeah, needy, needy, let Letty, Jesus, needy. Um, I swear, I start we start recording and just everything leaves my mind. Sometimes <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. Um, You're right, right here. Anyway. It's okay. <laughs> um, so now we're into the third round. I have the first choice of the third round, and this is where I think it's going to get a little interesting. Um, because I'm going to take a movie and I don't know how you two feel about it. I happen to think it's a pretty good remake. I think it might be one of the best of that this filmmaker has ever done um, because he's a very polarizing director to some. Um, and I'm going to take Dawn of the Dead from 2004 directed by Zack Snyder. I think it's a great choice. That was definitely on my list. Okay. What about you, Dan? Was that Was that on your list? Uh, it's on my alt alternates list. Uh, okay. Watched for the first time for this show, but go ahead, Brantley. This is your pick. Uh-huh. Well, I think I drafted uh, what's his name? The guy who plays the 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 guy who had lost his daughter when we did like horror dads or horror four dads. I think I drafted this movie as well as my two uh, thousands pick, um, and. I think they do a smart job in this of uh, widening the cast because really in the first one you just have like a, a small like what three or four characters right in the original Dawn of the Dead um, and this I think it's a, they, they do a good choice of bringing in more characters um, and giving you a real rooting interest in a couple of them particularly um, this guy and I apologize because I do not know why I'm not blanking on his name again <laughs> start recording and i don't remember anything um but i mean sarah Polly is the the woman and then mm-hmm. um the guy i'm thinking of jake weber is his name he plays michael uh and sarah him and sarah Polly, who plays anna are like the two main um characters here and really i think are the people that we're rooting for when we watch this movie and they're basically surrogate mom and dad characters, basically, who are taking care of others within it. And I think um, you get some smarmy, crappy characters like Ty Burrell in there. And then the guys who play like the security guards and everything. And some other great characters like Ving Rhames is in there um, and his character's great. Um, and it's difficult because you're, you're remaking a classic. But, I mean, how are you going to do that? You know, you, you can't really play into those same consumerist themes that the first one had. Because then you're just, like, sounding, I don't know. Like, you're just, you know, 
copying basically which is a weird thing to say about a remake um, but, i mean i love the friggin' like truck that they get at the end it's just this like killer beast that they're trying to drive out of there with i love how it seems like they get away and then you find out at the very end uh not so much um when they get to the island and everything um and i think it's just got like a pretty decent fun story to it um good effects I mean, that zombie baby, creepy as hell. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Nick, what do don't, you think about no, Dawn of the sorry. Dead? Um, yeah, this was on my list. Uh, this is um, the, probably the only... Well, I, to be fair, I haven't seen that many of his movies, but the only Zack Steiner movie that I've ever liked. I think it is a genuinely good piece of work i mean i guess i liked 300 it was fun but um i've tried watching his movies since and have been sorely disappointed every single time but um i like this movie because it's just a simple like this is what he should be doing i think more of just a simple film like almost entirely practical basically like on location sort of you know or whatever wherever it was shot it's like all very tangible and real and um yeah it's just it's uh Man, I would have nominated this one just for the opening credit sequence alone, which I think is a oh, yeah. brilliant, like a masterpiece of um, cinema. And that is one thing I will say about Zack Snyder, because Watchmen also had an incredible opening credit sequence that was talked about a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what a, what a just the opening minutes of this movie are gripping and incredible. Um, great use of the Johnny Cash song. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's violent. It's funny. It brought back... I think that it was like this and 28 Days Later brought running zombies to the masses for better or for worse. Um, but obviously it was influential in that sense. So, yeah, good stuff. I mean, you couldn't throw a stone without hitting a zombie movie after this movie came out. Yeah. Um, so it really did. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I should have said it better. I felt like I was really running out of... Uh, anything to say there and i think you'd hit it because it is like a simple straightforward story but that's what makes it so kind of fun and enjoyable it goes down easy you know it doesn't deal with as many themes as the original for sure and i think the original is probably a better film overall but this is just a fun straightforward simple story and um a blast so there you go that's the first pick of the third round but that just means that our man dan He's on the clock now with the second pick of the third round. All right, guys, let's uh, let's bring it up into the modern times here. I'm gonna go with a film from 2012, and that is gonna be the remake of Maniac. Mm, nice choice, directed by Frank Coffin, I think his name is. Um, the original is from 1980, directed by William Lusting, uh, New York grimy, kind of sleazy ass movie. There, we 2012, we transplanted to modern day LA. Uh, we got it's all shot in POV of our killer here, our which we use a lot of uh, the use of mirrors and reflections and stuff like that is I really like throughout the whole movie. You see his hands a lot. It's Elijah Wood. They're nicked up and beat up a lot. 
Um, he's kind of a creepy character, like stalking these women. Uh, I think this has one of the greatest like respects to uh, respect to the originals that you can do. It's during one of the kills where he he scalps the ladies and keeps them on mannequins is what it's spoiler alert. But um, he stands up and there's a reflection in a car, which is the original um, cover for the 1980s movie, which I think is so great. But uh, just really good, man. I, I really like it. You'd, you'd think a lot of people would be, or you'd be turned off by the POV, but I think it really works here. Um, but yeah, I think it's really good. It's creepy as hell and some got some brutal kills on it as well. Nice. I, I haven't seen this since it first came out uh, on DVD back in the day. Um, I remember enjoying it. I liked the fact that it was POV. I thought that was like a pretty compelling aspect of it. Um, but it's been so long that I, I, I struggled to add more to it. It's one that I wanted to rewatch, but just didn't have time for. So I'm going to throw it to you, Nick, if you have anything else to add about Maniac. Uh, not much. I, I also haven't seen it since it first came out, but when it came out, I remember knowing nothing about it beyond the fact that it was a remake. So the POV thing really took me by surprise. And I thought that was really ballsy and well executed, um, and compelling and like, yeah, like, I can see people being turned off by that for sure, but I think they executed it with uh, just well enough to, to make it to make it really work. Um, it didn't feel like a gimmick, which I think it easily could have. Um, and I remember thinking that also this was, like, right around the time when Elijah Wood went, like, batshit crazy with his <laughs> choices for roles, um, which he's, he's continued, but I remember this one being, like, I was like, wow this is bold of him to have chosen this, this movie. Um, I need to worry about a check, baby. Yeah. Do whatever no, I mean, want. <laughs> well, you I'm say, glad he did it. <laughs> you say batshit crazy. I say embraced his love of genre films. Uh, That's a way but, better way to put it. Yes. <laughs> I say we got the real Elijah Wood. <laughs> there <you> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, Elijah Wood's been a, I've been a fan of his since the faculty, which obviously is a genre movie, but that was such like a teen, late 90s product of its time that like, I can't really consider, like, it, it wasn't until he really did these ones, like, and that was such a studio picture, and this is just such a, yeah, it felt like a departure for him, and it was great, um, so yeah, it was a great choice. Did not expect this to actually be drafted, though, so that's cool. Yeah, this was lower into my more alternates uh, list just because it had been so long. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Glad that you took this one. With that being said, Nick, you're now on the on the clock with the final pick of the third and then the first pick of the fourth. All right. Um, I'm going to scoop this one up because I think it may go soon. Um, I'm going to go with 2020's The Invisible Man. Oh, Lee Winnell's invisible man remake or reimagining reboot whatever you want to call it um i have never actually seen the original invisible man um which is embarrassing i I should have but um yeah i this movie is just i mean it was praised and it is well-deserved praise it's a great thriller i mean call it a horror movie it definitely has horror elements i think it fits in the horror remake category but um more than anything else it's just really intense um it's just um you know it's like about domestic abuse and being gaslit and stalked and it's got hallmarks of just like really tense thriller films 
and executed with like style and with um, like a few twists up his sleeve, Lee's sleeve that I think he <laughs> he brings in that um, just make it work really, really, really well. I, I was just so pleasantly surprised watching it because I had like no expectations one way or the other, and coming out of that movie feeling like that was just a blast and really, really well done was a breath of fresh air, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, that's my choice. No, that's a great choice. This was uh, coming up real close on my uh, on my list here, Nick. Um, I think what's great about this, and probably I think one of the reasons you really enjoy it, is that despite this being grounded in a reality of sorts, you know, based in technology, it a lot of it plays out like a um, supernatural horror film where mm, you know someone thinks they're alone in the house or isn't quite sure because they hear a weird noise but they look and there's nothing there kind of thing and i think it's like similar to a lot of like ghost stories and haunting and possession films in that regard um but i absolutely agree it is just like intense like from like the jump um mm-hmm. you know and and that stays throughout so much of the film uh and elizabeth moss performance is just Oh, incredible. really fantastic in this. Um, really, really great. I mean, she's great in a lot of stuff, but she really just kills it in this. So I love this movie too. I think it's a great pick. Cool. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that supernatural thing. I never considered that, but I think you're right. That probably played a large part in my love of this movie. But yeah. Dan, what about you? Did you yeah. see this one? Yeah, I've seen it. I really like it. I think it's uh, just like the last pick. I think it's good that they brought it into the mod- modern times with the that tech but uh yeah what i mean what women survive through every day even when a guy doesn't have an invisible cloak it's terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah well done played. really well uh i mean cron howard's gonna argue with you that hollow man is the best invisible mm. man remake but uh <laughs> we won't let him have that <laughs> uh, to be fair i don't think I've seen Hollow Man since whenever it came out on VHS, so uh, I can't speak to that one way or the other. It's I was, been a long time. I was forced to. Were you? Have you seen Hollow Man 2? Is that one even better? Uh, don't give him any ideas, please. Okay. <laughs> All right. But no, well, I Nick. have not seen that one. Nice. Me neither. Uh, that is your third round selection, but you are on the board with your fourth round selection. What is your next pick? I'm going to go with I got three left that I would like to draft and I got room for two more I don't think the other two are going to get drafted so I am going to pick for this one just in case uh, Gore Verbinski's The Ring remake Mm. Um, it is supernatural horror I think it's this is one actually that I think I'm picking more like I couldn't tell you much about this movie anymore i saw it probably early 2003 when it came out on video um because i think it was a 2002 movie um and then i saw ringu the uh, hideo nakata i think i'm saying that right um the original uh shortly thereafter and this is a very faithful remake um i like them both they're both great creepy atmosphere but more than anything else, I, I want to pick this one because, well, A, it is a good movie, as is the original. Um, it is very scary. It's well executed. It's well done. It's, uh, you know, it's well acted. Um, but it really, apart from bringing in a rash of remakes of uh, East Asian horror films, um, 
again, for better or worse, mostly for worse, unfortunately. Um, it, I think, introduced a lot of people to the original um, East Asian horror films, for which I think I'm forever in its debt. Like, I think I would have discovered a lot of those movies eventually anyway, but, um, you know, this was what really got me into those movies. So, like, I owe this movie, like, I love, you know, the Pang Brothers, The Eye, I saw shortly thereafter, um, Infection, Tale of Two Sisters, like, all of those films that I just they're fantastic classics of that era of you know not just j-horror it's like um the eye is from china tell two sisters i think is korea but that era of east asian horror cinema like really intense um and not just more beyond just the long-haired ghost girl which i think is unfortunately what the ring really brought here more than anything else um was like that image of j-horror um when there was really just so much more uh in that era of east asian horror cinema and uh mm. and i yeah i feel like i owe this movie that for me and my experience in you know delving into those movies so i think i i'm gonna agree with you there because i think that opened up even more with like uh sympathy for mrs vengeance and old boy and a lot of that that wouldn't have started i think without the ring i mean it might have all been there before but nobody. i knew. think it was like that's exactly it. it was like it was all there but then i think the ring came out and then tartan asian is tartan yeah. asia extreme that mm-hmm. dvd subline um took off as soon as the ring came out i mean that was and that's yeah. the exposure to all those movies that i really had was going through that catalog of movies on dvd so yeah then you're getting to see battle royale and audition and all this other shit that yeah. like is coming yeah. up there exactly. speaking of Tartan Asian Extreme. I set up the Tartan Asian Extreme section in the horror, or next to the horror aisle in the uh, video headquarters. In vi- the, did you really? Yeah, I did. Yes, oh, I did. nice, man. The, I the, browsed the, that section quite a few times. There you go. Yeah, I put it together. I made the sign and everything for it and on there. Oh, and nice. Put them all together there. <laughs> nice, nice, Because nice. there was a cult and horror kind of right there uh, together, and I think Tartan Asian Extreme was like right in between them. So it's sort of like off of the you know sort of straddled the line between uh between both totally yeah that's a perfect place for him and there yeah. were so many releases on that line oh yeah I mean, that and then it like went like, defunct but yeah there was well, a just, year or two where it was just like so much just speaks to 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 like you know how much money you know people were making back in dvds back in the day it's one of the yeah. reasons like home video is like such a big like interest because you know, it was so profitable until it just wasn't, which would happen very quickly. It seems like, you know, Absolutely. after a couple of years, it just like dropped off a cliff. Um, yeah. <laughs> Started slipping after uh, 07, as Ken Mackler would say. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, that's a great pick, man. Um, oh, thanks. A super underrated director, too, I think, on yeah. Gore Vivginski. I mean, he's done like pirates and shit, but. Yeah, what was the more recent thriller that he did? Um, he had one about a, a cure for wellness. Cure for wellness. Thank you. That's the mm. one I was trying to think of. Is the only I never movie to see. where I shot up in the middle of the night and threw a pillow at my door because I just had a dream like that lady had come into my room. Ooh, I, wow. I had watched that movie like hours before I went to bed and... And my wife's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I think it's like a PG-13 movie. I'm like, no, I think it was R. But yeah, he did a Rango too, which I love. That's right. Yeah. 
Right, right, right. The guy's got a got a mind on him. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that is Nick's uh, fourth round selection. But Dan, you're on the clock now with your fourth round selection. Ooh. All right, gentlemen. I think I'm gonna give a little bit of respect to a guy who's done a few for us. Um, from 2006, it's The Hills Have Eyes, directed by Alexandre Aja, I believe is how you say that. Of course, the original was from 1977, directed by none other than Mr. Wes Craven. Um, mean-spirited, just a brutal movie. Um, I think he builds the characters a little better here and he takes away there is a lot of sleaziness still in this 06 remake but i think he takes a lot of that out of the 77 version and the 77 version is 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 really good too um but i don't know that just dried out coloring it's just a brutal movie you feel like you're getting sunburned while you're watching it uh, set next to uh, of course the nuclear testing blowout and all that stuff, which I think has always been like a really great idea. But uh, yeah, man, I rewatched it for this and just, I was like, man, that's a lot better than I know it was decent, but I was like, you know what? That's, that's really good, but it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it since it first came out because I remember how tough and brutal it was um i'd actually be curious to rewatch it and see how i feel about it now um because you know 06 that's coming out in that like torture porn era yeah. um coming off of like saw and hostile and stuff like that and and so i wonder you know if, if going back and watching it now how my views might have changed on it because i remember thinking it was decent but just so brutal that it was tough to get through basically um Nick, did you have any ideas on it? Uh, I have also not seen it since it first came out. I remember seeing it in Keene when we were in college and Mm -hmm. uh, feeling probably the same way. Um, But I like him as a filmmaker because, like, he's he's got style to spare for sure. He's never, like, he's not, like, a terrific filmmaker. Like, he's never made, like, but he makes really solid movies. Like, we talked about Crawl, which I love. But he's also done three remakes, and, you know, this was... Um, you know, he did this, he did Mirrors, and he did Piranha 3D, and he's, yes. he's not a stranger to horror remakes, and, uh, you know, I have, with the exception of Mirrors, which sucked, um, you know, this and Piranha 3D were really fun remakes, or fun maybe is not the right word for this one in particular, but, you know, um, enjoyable-ish. Yes. <laughs> maybe also not the right word, but, yeah, anyway, I think he's a good filmmaker, he certainly is a great horror filmmaker, and, um... Uh, yeah, I have not seen the original Hills of Eyes. It's a big gap in my resume, I feel like, but I know that that was like Wes Craven's extremely sleazy, grimy era of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when this came out, reading the reviews, that was like, <laughs> you know, despite the subject matter, this is like a really slick looking version of that movie. Like maybe too polished, but. Oh. <laughs> so I got to give it another watch. Nice. Dan, I sorry, I feel like I cut you off when I went to Nick. So, was there anything else you wanted to add it up, uh, add uh, about the Hills Have Eyes? I was just gonna say it has a little bit of the nine eleven undertone mm. in there as well. The 
oh, he's a Democrat liberal that doesn't shoot guns and shit like that, <laughs> which of course turns on itself. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's the Hills Have Eyes 2006. That was Dan's fourth round selection. That means that I'm now on the clock in the fourth round. Final pick of the fourth round, and then I'll have the back-to-back in the first pick of the fifth. Um, and this is interesting because I have my list in the way that I construct it in the order. But I'm looking through it right now to see if I want to keep it in that order. Is there anything else I want to draft? And I'm looking through and... Hmm. No, I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with The Crazies from 2010. Nice done. Yeah, thank you. Um, was... Sorry, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. No, no, I'm just, I didn't expect that to go. Um, oh, really? I'm, yeah, it's a great pick. Yeah, I, I uh, God, I love this movie. The first time I saw it, which would have been probably when it came to video in 2010, um, or 2011, whenever it made it to video at that time. I say video, you know, DVD, Blu-ray. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it was just like man this thing is like great it is like very violent and gory but the effects are wonderful in it and um but it doesn't have that same like i guess maybe like mean-spirited really like brutal um that you would get in like say uh, something like the hills have eyes um and uh but just like you know very affecting like much like dawn of the dead it's sort of like a fairly simple story told in like this one setting this setting being kind of the town that they're in basically and what happens as these like people start to go crazy as they're infected and everything and um i think it's just like a fairly simple story well told um i think it was just thrilling and really engaging doesn't overstay its welcome and just knocks it out of the park with what it's trying to do um the director of it uh his name is breck eisner um and um what's interesting is that like he had directed sahara you know that matthew mcconaughey movie like five years before but after the crazies like he didn't make another movie until the last witch hunter in 2015 and then ever since then he's basically like only directed like episodes of the expanse and then like one other tv show um and so it's kind of interesting because i'm like you know i feel like he has like you know a decent he he's like a decent director and can tell obviously like compelling stories uh in the feature length so it's just surprising to me that he's sort of been relegated to television ever since because i couldn't remember i couldn't remember who it was who had directed it and then i was like oh i don't recognize this person (laughs) It's weird. I would have thought I would have seen more of him somewhere, but because yeah, when that came out was re- uh, theatrical. I know a lot of people like my. I think my parents were like, "Oh, it's really good." And like a lot mm. of like everybody I talked to was positive about it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I there was like I. I don't think I've talked to anyone who wasn't a fan of um of the movie. Well, I um, hate it. Apparently. Oh, you? Do? Oh, shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch and it I, for the first time for for this year draft though so oh nice what did you what did you think of it i thought it was good man it's it starts and it goes and you get in the back of that truck and you're going with them Mm Mm-hmm. absolutely and i'm i'm realizing now that i've i've drafted two george romero remakes and Mm. uh that's nothing against the man himself because romero is one of my favorite um filmmakers and horror well horror filmmakers but really filmmakers in general 
and I think his original films are fantastic, but I think there's just been a couple really good remakes of his movies. So, uh, okay. yeah, that was that was my number, my fourth round selection. Yeah, Breck Eisner, by the way, is Michael Eisner's son. Oh, um, you're kidding me? For real? Yeah, for real. Um, and so that's another reason that I'm. I've, I was going to say when I because the crazy was on my list that I'm shocked that he hasn't done more. Um, yeah. After Sahara and this, he he directed one other horror thing, um, which was one of the short pieces from Mick Garris's NBC series, Fear Itself, which yes, was like Masters of Horror. And it was a great episode. You know, it was mm-hmm. another great short horror film. And I was like, this guy has a future in horror. And he's got a father who can probably ensure that he keeps making movies. And yet, <laughs> he's disappeared. And it's a shame. Well, does he have was- to work? I mean... Well, yeah, that's, that's the true. other thing, right? <laughs> well, was um was Sahara a Disney like what from one of Disney's companies? I want to say that it probably was, but I actually don't know the answer to that. Was that I feel a like remake? It was too, but I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's based on like a Clive Cussler novel. Or I think something. I get mixed up with Flight of the Phoenix with like all oh, that. Oh, sure, sure. Because sure, I, I think sure, that was sure. all like right in that same time frame. Interesting. Okay. I had no idea that was his son. I, I literally just like, oh, he's got the same last name, but you yeah. know, I never assume. I guess I should. When it comes to Hollywood, I should assume if it's the same last name that they're <laughs> related true. to somebody else. Um, but, oh well, uh, but no, I mean, I think yeah, he, I think from what I've seen, I, mean, I haven't seen Sahara since that. And I remember nothing from that movie. Um, I don't think it does. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But The Expanse is a good show. He's directed like fourteen of those episodes, so he's obviously like you know. Still working and everything. Well, that's um, good. I didn't realize he was doing TV stuff, so at least yeah. he's working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's enough of the crazies here, and uh, I'm going to move on to my final selection, the first pick of the fifth round. Boy, I have a decision to make here. Do I go back again, back to the 80s, or do I stay in more modern times? Oh... You know what? You know, no, I'm going to stay more modern and just draft with the heart here. I could have taken this classic from the 80s, but I'm going to take the Friday the 13th remake from 2009. You know what? I just enjoy the movie more. It's just, you know, it's one I'm going to want to put on more than the other one I was between. So there you go. Friday the 13th. 2009 uh two back to back from me that are in that 09 2010 sweet spot of remakes um this one i think i mean geez there's been some really poor remakes of classic 80s horror films and uh this one i think does the best job out of all those big franchise remakes from the 80s um this one has the very unenviable task of doing a remake but basically remaking the first three movies um, and finding a way to somehow tie in the mom when it's really going to be about Jason Voorhees, but then also figure out a way that he gets his mask, which like all of these things are, you know, from the first three films that they had, you know, you know, what, you know, two, three, oh gosh, four and a half hours to, to work their way through. And those, you know, three 90 minute movies, something like that. And I think they do a really good job. And I think Derek Mears is fantastic as um, as Jason. I think he really, really kills it. 
you know, I think we've when we've talked about it in the past, Nick, I think on our first episode when we drafted Friday the 13th, we talked about That's it. That's right, yep. I think sometimes there's a little too much of the Texas Chainsaw remake in it because it's the same company, what, Platinum Dunes, Platinum right? Dunes, yep. Yeah, and, you know, the townsfolk being like, that's like Jason's Woods. You just leave him alone and you'll be fine kind of thing. You know, you don't go in his area sort of thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm not really, I'm not into that as much, basically. Like, there's there's little elements to it that keep it from being a really great, like, you know, five-star banger in the parlance of five-day rentals. Um, but I think it's a very solid, very strong one. And... Certainly leaps ahead of some of the other big franchise remakes, um, I would say. So I'm going to go Friday the 13th. Nice. Excellent. That's a good pick. Uh, Fan service. I think everybody gets what they want out of their Jason in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't rewatch it for, I I just ran out of time. It was on the list, but uh, I need Kron even sent it to me. So, um, but I'm glad it was drafted. But yeah, I I haven't watched it since I think the theater when it came out. But I remember enjoying it. I didn't have any gripes about it. It just sucks that it's stuck in whatever hell it is in right now that they can't. I thought Paramount was putting out like a oh they're doing a, a TV, TV show right Camp yeah, Crystal doing Lake a TV show okay yep Brian so, Fuller I think is doing it. So is it I'm out on. of all the copyright bullshit between? It doesn't sound like entirely. Okay. Yeah, the I don't first know two the directors. F- yeah. Fucking blanking on their names. Yeah, I, I don't know the full legal aspects of it, but Brian Fuller did say that they'll be able to show all versions of Jason, not just when he's like a kid in like the water and everything. Okay. So I think that's what people were worried about. Like it was going to be like a prequel series that only has him when he's like a kid or something like that. And I think Brian Fuller's come out and said, no, we get to show whatever we want, basically. Hell yeah. Um, well, maybe not whatever, but it'll be all different versions of Jason, you know, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, sorry. I, um, I I wanted to also mention that it's it's a remake that's grown on me. Because when I watched it when it first came out, I was like, eh, it's fine. You know, it's not like great or anything. But it has sort of grown on me, maybe as more and more remakes have come come out where i've been like you know what this was a tough task and they actually did a pretty darn good job and it's highly rewatchable as many of the friday the 13th movies are and i think that's probably um the best you can ask for is making like an enjoyable rewatchable uh friday the 13th movie so there you go that's what i'll add to it before i let you jump in nick um yeah, no, I, I don't I don't have any, any more to add because I, I don't really remember it either. It's probably around the same time Dan saw it. I oh, actually no, I didn't see it in theaters. But at some point right after it came out on video, I, I, I checked it out and I think I probably felt the same way you did at first. I was like, That was pretty good. And never felt compelled to see it again, but I feel like maybe I owe it another rewatch. Like I re the same thing with Texas Chainsaw remake. Sorry, if someone brings it up later. I don't know. Um uh, but where I, I saw it when it first came out and felt like, yeah, okay. And then revisited it recently. I felt like I owed it a rewatch and, you know, I appreciated it, I think, a little bit more in its own merits. Yeah. And it's, it's a tough one because I think Texas Chainsaw, people love that movie, the original, but I think they don't feel the same way. Like, the, the, the cult, like, 
I don't know. I think the fan base for like the original Friday the Thirteenth movies is different and more. Um, I don't know. I think it, I think there's like a different type of excitement behind fans of the original Friday the Thirteenth than there are fans of the original Texas Chainsaw. So I feel like hmm. really pleasing them with the remake was a different task than remaking Texas Chainsaw, which. I think and we've talked about Texas Chainsaw on this show. Like I, I've never, I like it a lot. I think it's a great movie, but I, it's never been way, way up there. So I don't, ha- I don't hold it in this high regard where I was like, it's untouchable. Don't touch it. Don't, don't ever remake mm-hmm. it. So like it was easy to watch the remake and appreciate it for what it was. But I, I know there's a lot of people who really hold Friday the Thirteenth up on a on a pedestal. So to see that remade, I think, was probably a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I figured they'd be a little more, have a little more leeway with Friday the 13th, just how much you've spent the fucking space and, you know, <laughs> fought Freddy. So, right. I feel like yeah, there's, that's true. That's how I kind of seen it when they did it. I was like, all right, let's see what you got, man. Yeah. Marcus Nepal's was the same director who did the O3 version of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. 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 Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, because there's so many films in the Friday the 13th franchise and so many that people love that that fan base is like a fan base of the entire franchise, whereas I feel like the fan base for Texas Chainsaw is really a fan base for that first film. Right. And so remaking that original Chainsaw was probably like more sacrilegious than trying to remake Friday the 13th. Even though you have to probably try to incorporate more elements from the different movies um, in the Friday the 13th remake than you would the Chainsaw one. But it probably felt more, you know, sacrilegious to remake the Chainsaw one originally in 03, I bet. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's that's definitely a good point. Because that's also like, what, 25 years after the first, right? Is the first like 78? Am I remembering that right? Or no, 74. Sorry. Oh, for Texas Boy. Chainsaw, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was almost almost 30 years. Almost sorry. 30 years. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I jumped in and was cutting you off, Nick. What were you saying? Oh, no, no, no. No, you weren't at all. I was just saying that the, the thing with the Platinum Dunes remake, with, with all of them, although I don't remember the Hitcher remake very very well, but like, you know, with Michael Bay um, having produced it, they picked like these old, grimy movies. And I mean that in the high, like... You know, I mean that in the best possible way. I mean, but Texas Chainsaw is a gritty, dirty, mm-hmm. you know, just grimy film, and they polished it up to these like ridiculous Hollywood standards with the Platinum Dune remake. And I can totally understand why people who are fans of the original were a hundred percent turned off by that because it's not what the original yeah. is. Um, but you know, and I think Friday the Thirteenth was similar. You know, like those movies just have such a sleek, shiny look to them that. Hmm it's hard to compare just like based on that alone. But, um, yeah, like I, you know, Texas Chainsaw revisiting that. I felt like this is a really intense, again, kind of like the evil dead remake, like the original Texas Chainsaw, you know, so people have like, you know, written a lot about how it's got these dark comic elements and, you know, some social commentary and stuff that is, and Michael Bay just like, was like no we're just gonna do a straight horror movie and make it as intense as possible so if you look at it on those merits i feel like it's you know pretty effective just like evil dead was um 
So I'd be interested in revisiting Friday the 13th again to see if I feel similarly. Hmm. Gotcha. Well, that was my final selection, but Dan is on the clock now with the second pick of the fifth round. This is this is the last one, guys. Last one. Mm-hmm. I'm work, it's tough. I'm surprised it's still available. I figured that Brantley would be snagging this one right away. And I might be wrong. But uh, from 2009, My Bloody Valentine. That is a great, great remake. I, I actually like it a lot, even if the filmmaker of the original does not like it as a remake. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> um, but if I had to pick an 09 remake, I guess I, I had to go Friday instead of My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. The two Supernatural boys uh, making their remakes in the same year. <laughs> Yeah, original was 1981, but uh, it's just fun, man. You take all the, this like like you said, the CW acting out of this, and it just is all respect to just a bloody good time 80s 3D fucking horror movie, man. I mean, give it up for the tool shed for making horror movies just... You know, you got a chainsaw, it's a horror movie. You got a pickaxe, that's a horror movie. What else? You weed eaters? Come on. Yeah. But uh, it's really good. I, I I, love it. I mean, it's got some gory kills in it. Uh, the first 20 minutes is completely insane. And if you're not on board by that, uh, then, you know, there's, there's a good little twist at the end. Yep. I think they did a little more twists and turns in the original, but... Uh, but yeah, I think it's a solid remake. Yeah, I I think it's a solid remake too. Um, you know, I, I've never been a fan of 3D, so I can like, you know, give or take the 3D, whatever. But like the story wise, I, I do think it's really great, and I love the twist at the end. I don't mean to kind of, um, you know, uh, give it away for people or anything, but I feel like the first one. It's interesting. You say the first one it has more twists because I feel like the first one's more straightforward. And sort of, it's just a process of elimination to figure out who the 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 killer ends up being. But this one, I feel like, you know, really kind of throws you for a loop with its twist, which I thought was interesting and uh, a nice little fun way to differentiate itself from the original. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, have you seen this? I actually have not. No. So. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. This is Jensen Ackles as the main star, and then uh, Jared Padalecki was uh, yeah. Friday the 13th. So this is, I guess, on their hiatus from Supernatural. They both went and made a, a horror remake. <laughs> and it sounds like they were both approached on the same days, probably. Probably. I have to imagine. I think they did Rochambeau to figure out who would play who in which movie. <laughs> but no, this one's a good one. This one's great. I, I do recommend it. I think it's a fun uh, remake, Nick. You'd probably enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So check it out. I remember right, when it well, came out. That, that was like the height of 3D. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't you couldn't go see a film without having to put on the glasses to watch something in the theater. Jesus, yep. I I don't like 3D because it gives me a headache constantly, and then I have to like make sure I bring my contacts instead of my glasses because wearing glasses over glasses is a pain in the ass and all that right. shit. So <laughs> too much prep work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. All right. Well, that is Dan's final selection. But Nick, we got to get your final selection here before we move on to undrafted free agents. 
Right, 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 right. I've got two choices here. Both, I feel like, maybe controversial. Like, maybe I'm, I would have to defend either one. So, mm-hmm. man, it's tough. The one I really want to pick is... Fuck it, I'm going to go with this one. Um, yeah, I feel like people are going to get pissed off that I'm picking this one, but um, I'm going with Evil Dead 2. Oh, Commissioner! <laughs> I think we got to get a Commissioner approval for that. <laughs> so when I said I worked out the first round in my head and I thought one was going to go, but it didn't, this was it. Really? Oh, yes. wow. Interesting. I'll, I'll allow it. Okay, okay, cool. Nice. It'd be fine if you didn't. I have a backup which you also might not allow, but whatever. Um, I figured this controversy was going to show up here, so I was prepared. I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't even even think of Evil Dead 2. I just think of it as a sequel, so it didn't even come to mind. It was going to be my first question if if he didn't pick this one. Like, you guys didn't want Evil Dead 2 on here? I mean, I think it is a sequel, and I probably would have picked it higher. If everyone was, like, unanimously like, well, yeah, it's a remake, I probably would have picked it higher on my list, but... um. Uh, yeah, I think of it as a sequel too, but also I, I I can't deny the fact that apart from the setting and and like it re re, you know I know it redoes the plot of the first one very quickly and then it's into like kind of sequel territory, um, but Ash is a completely different character in this movie, um, and for that reason alone I can't call it a sequel. Like this is a different take on Ash, and this is the Ash that becomes the Ash that everyone knows and loves today, um. The, you know the follows through an army of darkness and certainly the tv series like that this is where he starts and the first the first horror, evil dad you know apart from being more of a straight horror movie is like ashes is much more of that sort of like group of dead teen sort of like traditional horror movie characters i mean he's like a very much a victim he's like shy and whatever and like it, he he doesn't become the ash that you know and think of until evil dead 2 and so it, to me it always has felt like a remake not just because they go back to the cabin but because it's like here's another take on this character here's how this version of this character would have reacted to the events of evil dead 1 um so it's like a reimagining and um and it's obviously it's like you know equal uh it's a incredible masterpiece just like the first one and uh um yeah and if it was just a straight sequel that took place in the cabin and had the same version of the ash character i don't know that it would have been that but this like you know they reinvented the character and it allowed him to reinvent the entire franchise and you know it's a hybrid comedy and um yeah and it took it in a totally fresh direction so i i have to i have to consider it a remake as well as a sequel it's both I think Campbell right. called it a, a requel. A requel. I, mm. I think those are his words. But yeah, I agree. I think I think it is. A, I think it's more of it as a sequel than than a two or a remake. Sorry, than a sequel. I'm getting mixed up here. <laughs> no, I mean, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that could count. I mean, assuming the commissioner approved. But. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It didn't even cross my mind for this lesson, and maybe that says something about me that I should have, I should have been exploring different, <laughs> different options here because that probably would have been drafted by me had I thought of it. Um, and I'm just surprised you drafted it so low now. I'm surprised you didn't try to grab it earlier. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of figured that it was. I thought it was a fifty fifty shot that it would be shot down. So I mm. 
kind of figured that no one else was going to pick it for that reason. Um, but, and they didn't. So, <laughs> there you go. It wasn't on my list. I'll know that. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. All right. Well, to recap the draft, uh, our guest Dan in the first round took The Fly from 1986. He took Nosferatu the Vampire from 1979 in the second. He took Maniac from 2012 in the third. The Hills Have Eyes from 2006 in the fourth round. And he wrapped up his draft with My Bloody Valentine from 2009 in the fifth. Nick took Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978 in the first. Let Me In from 2010 in the second. The Invisible Man from 2020 in the third. The Ring from 2002 in the fourth. And then, of course, Evil Dead 2 from 1987 in the fifth. Uh, I took The Thing from 1982 in the first, Evil Dead from 2013 in the second, Dawn of the Dead from 2004 in the third, and then The Crazies from 2010 in the fourth, and then Friday the 13th from 2009. That concludes this draft, but that just means we're going to go into the undrafted free agents, our honorable mentions that did not get drafted. Dan, you are our guest. What were some honorable mentions that you did not draft? All right, gentlemen, very, very close. Uh, 2005, War of the Worlds, directed by none other than that loser director who has no <laughs> talent, Steven Spielberg. But really great. Uh, like I said, it could have went. Uh, I did have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 03 on mine. I do enjoy that remake. Uh, Piranha 3D was on my list as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night of the Living Dead from 1990, directed by Tom mm, yeah. Savini. I uh, mm-hmm. watched for the first time for this one, and I thought it was really good, too. So that came close. Mm-hmm. Um, King Kong from 05. Disturbia oh, nice. was pretty good from Rear Window remake there. Oh, yeah. And uh, The Blob from 1988, of course. Nice. Uh, uh, yep. Forgot about The Blob. That's... That was the other one I was between that's before I was, Friday the 13th. I was wondering yeah. if that was the one. Yeah. And uh, Dune, but I don't know if you guys, that's more science fiction-y. You're the commissioner, Dan. Yeah, you I know. You could have taken but... whatever you wanted. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think part of the thing, so the thing was on my list too, and was pretty high, but, you know, obviously I went with Friday the 13th. I think part of that too, Nick, is the sentimental aspect of the fact that Kay Lineker, my former professor, wrote the original The Blob, which that oh, movie has right. like a soft spot in my heart. So, oh my as gosh, much I as I that. like, yeah, I know, isn't that great? <laughs> it's, it's such a fun note. You know, she was an actress primarily, but she wrote The Blob. Yeah. Um, as much as I love that 1988 version uh, of The Blob, I'm just like, ah, man, but that original rules, and it's tough for me to to take the remake of it just because of that little detail. Um, there was a big, big remake I had not watched yet that I watched in preparation for this one. And that was Suspiria from 2018. Mm. So that's on my list, but it's actually further down because it was just all right. I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really into it. Um, I appreciated like they, they were changing a few things. I appreciated some of the performances in it and some of the gore and effects I think were really well done. And there was some great like, real visceral moments to it but um as a whole i mean that thing's two and a half hours long and 
the pacing and that thing is just it drags um like no reason that movie needs to be two and a half hours that could easily be a 90 to an hour 45 movie without issue um so anyway that he's a, he's I, a flashy I, director on that one as yeah, well so yeah i i think what i'm learning is that i'm also just not a big fan of luca guadagino <laughs> like i just like the more of his stuff i watch the more i'm just like yeah you know okay fine like whatever you know like he did call me by your name right Right, yeah. it's the same director. Yeah, okay. I, I like Call Me by Your Name. TV show as well. Yeah, but we watched that, and I'm just like, this this writing is ridiculous. You know, I don't know. I was just like, I, I had a lot of trouble with that with that TV show. That's the one where they were on the army base, yeah. right? O- overseas in Italy. We got like the first episode, and I was like, yeah. There is, I mean, look, I never grew up on a military base in a foreign country. But I think the fact that they have the the woman who plays the mom, who's now like the new head of that, you know, whatever her her you know rank is, is she's like you know running that base basically, and she strips down to her underwear in a room full of like people, like she can't go into another room to change really quick. Is just like okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like this lives in no basis in reality. That TV show. All right, so not to go on a tangent about the HBO Max show that he did as well. Um, but that was like the big like movie I needed to watch for this. I feel like I can't come into a a, a remake uh, podcast without having watched that one, which I kind of been putting off doing um, because I know it was a polarizing movie, and some people really liked it, and some were not fans. So. I I, uh, I guess I would count myself on the latter. Um, you mentioned a couple other ones that I had as well, so I'll skip those for now. But I also had Fright Night from 2011 mm. on my list, which I think That's rips um, both Anton Yelchin and um, uh, Colin Farrell there are awesome in it. Um, it, Chapter 1 from 2017 was on my list. Um, but... I was like, oh, that could also fall into that reimagining of the source material rather than, you know, a remake of the TV miniseries slash movie, whatever you want to classify it as. Um, Amityville Horror from 2005, uh, but it had just been so long since I've seen it. So I was just like, I don't know if I can safely uh, discuss this one, basically. And then... um, Oh, here's one I thought maybe you would have drafted, Nick. It's um, the happiness of the Katakuri. Oh yeah, uh, from yeah. 2001 because that I guess is a I didn't realize it was a remake. It is a remake. On that list. Yeah, but yeah. It's like a loose remake of a South Korean film, The Quiet Family. Right, um, and I've never seen the original, so I, I that was yeah. Although that didn't disqualify some other picks for me, but yeah, it's also mm-hmm. been a long time since I saw Happiness of the Categories, but what a wild movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely wild. And it's been so long, too, that I couldn't in good faith draft it. But I thought maybe it would have snuck in on yours. I did um, consider it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then one other one I'll mention, because I, I had a list of 30, but um, there's a recent one that I think is... It took me a while to get into it, but once I was into it, I was like, okay, I get it. And it's um, the Slumber Party Massacre remake from 2021. Uh, I haven't seen um, that yet. Yeah, I didn't... It has... It's on my list. I didn't get to fit it in, though. Okay. It's on um what is it on? Is it on Shutter or something? It's on something, right? I think it's now, on Shutter. Watch it because it was on yeah. Sci-Fi, right? Wasn't it a TV made for TV? Yeah, Sci-Fi. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. that yet. But it it see so the thing is it took me a while to get into it because it has this very heightened tone to it, and it feels very uh, I don't know like it's 
I'm like, like it's not quite in reality. But after a while, I got into it. I think that would have worked better if the original wasn't already such a strong feminist film. Mm. But the, you know, like if it was like a typical TNA slasher or something from the 80s, and this is that tone is what you brought to the remake, I think it would have hit a bit harder. But once you get used to it, like I got into it. And they do some really funny, fun stuff where they're like, you know, putting on twists on the male gaze and turning it into the female gaze and things like that throughout it. So it was, it was kind of fun and enjoyable once you get used to the slightly heightened tone of it. But uh, yeah, so those are a couple of mine. Nick, what undrafted free agents do you have? I think there's only one um, that hasn't been mentioned. I had Piranha 3D as well. Um, mm-hmm. The one that I almost went with in my final round was not really a horror movie, but um, the uh, 1999's The Mummy. Um, you oh, know, yeah. because obviously the original is a horror movie, and I like that Universal was like, let's take this and make Indiana Jones out of it. And it's <laughs> yeah. so much fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's a blast of a movie. It's not horror per se, but uh, um, yeah, what a, what a great, what a great. What a great movie. It's a great time at the... I'll never forget going to see that in theaters. I saw it with my dad like opening weekend, and it was just a blast. Um, that's one that I really should revisit. But, yep, that's that's the only one. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's been forever since I watched those uh, as well, but yeah. I love that you would have been the only one with uh, any Universal remakes with your Invisible Man, but you could have had two of them on there. That's true. Yeah, wait. What other... Well, oh, Wolfman was remade. I didn't Wolfman see that. Was, yeah. Is that the only other one? Obviously, Frankenstein has been made a million times. That doesn't count. Yeah. Um, were there any other ones? They I remade mean, the like, mummy again. Official big budget ones? I don't know. I mean, but because it's like they're always trying to like start their dark universe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so was was Victor Frankenstein them or? Oh, I forgot about which the, one was yeah. which one was theirs. I don't remember. I don't Dracula remember. Untold. Oh right, yeah, there was that, that too. One was yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's all these false starts to them. Because I remember when the when that Wolfman remake with Anthony um, Benicio del Toro, uh, yeah, with Benicio del Toro and, and and Anthony Hopkins was supposed to like start a new yeah universe as well. It's like every single one is supposed to start the new dark universe, and they never do. Yeah, I wanted to yeah. hit Wolfman for this, but me too. It was I've like two that. hours and thirty minutes, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, I remember watching it, and they're like, okay, it's fine, you know, but it was not anything to write home about, from what I remember. All right, well, that is our undrafted free agents. Um, We really haven't done it in a while, but uh, did you guys have a a reach or a steal of the draft? I mean, I think the steal is Evil Dead 2 with the final pick of the draft. I don't know how you can take anything beyond that with the the steal of the draft. Interesting. Okay, I'll take it. And reaches, I don't know. This played out like so similar to like kind of essentially how I expected it to. Like the big heavy hitters went went early. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think this is fifteen solid remakes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, like we were talking about before, this was actually easier than I expected. I thought this was going to be tough to find like fifteen to put onto a list that I felt would feel comfortable drafting, but I put together a list of 30. So it was like, all right, you know, not, not nearly as difficult as I was expecting. Yeah. 
I mean, my next category is going to be super hard. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just let us know. And I'm exhausted. Come back on to do it. I'm exhausted <laughs> watching remakes. Oh, you like getting this little taste of, uh, of what we go through every episode? <laughs> so I'm like, these guys do this so all hard. The time. <laughs> I really, I feel so bad to Nick every time I talked him into doing this because uh, I really did not foresee how much work and uh, <laughs> no. viewing this would entail. <laughs> no, I, every episode having to cram. It's great. It's good to cram. It's good to like, yeah, there's all these movies that have been on my list for years that I finally get a chance to see. Mm. It's totally worth it. Absolutely. Like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You need to plan out like months. You do. You kind of do have to. That's uh, cramming them last minute is very difficult. Yeah. No fun. (laughs) All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you, sir. With us. Tell the folks where they can find you online or your podcast. We are Five Day Rentals. Uh, We are a fun non-genre category podcast uh, with three hosts. One picks a category, and we all just bring a flick to it to uh, walk you through it in a comical and somewhat informative way sometimes. But uh, right now we are just starting the... Well, the last, what we call the last category of season one. And if you know, if you look at our shows, we have over a hundred out there, but uh, we're doing big rigs and we're doing breakdown from 1997 with Kurt Russell. And that's a Kron's pick. But you can find us there. We're on wherever you get podcasts. My my two co-hosts there are Kron and Bones. Two lovely guys, my brothers in film there. Um instagram you can find us on there twitter i think we're on bones is kind of winding that down i think uh but join the discord that's where we that's where all the action's at that's what i'll say but yeah five day rentals check go. it out now can they find the link to join the discord from your uh instagram profiles and like the link tree or something there is a link on every episode that we post so ah, there you go, go through there and take <laughs> it i i need to be more I run the Instagram. I need to be more aware of that, but it's just so much shit to add. Yeah, so, I hear you. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we love the horror draft guys. They came on for oh fuck, here we go. Um, Microsoft, more like micro hard to kill. I think that was it. <laughs> we covered Eva Destruction, class of nineteen ninety nine, and. I think the lawnmower, lawnmower man. man. Lawnmower man. So yep. yeah, they came on. Brantley is on our recently released episode of Tropic, or Thunder in Paradise, which is mm-hmm. the yes, the '90s nostalgia TV show that we're slowly working our way through. So yeah, and it was uh, an absolute blast. First off, it's a fantastic podcast, and everybody should listen to it. Um, one of the nice things about doing this podcast is that we've met such wonderful podcast friends like Dan and Cron and Bones from the Five Day Rentals podcast. But their podcast absolutely rips. And um, even if you don't see, watch the movies, it's so enjoyable to listen to. Uh, very funny and engaging. There's lots of fun bits and humorous impressions that are done. And, <laughs> and a gaggle of silly characters that come in and out, which is uh, always a blast. Um, and this Thunder in Paradise uh, run that they're doing... Um, 
I only watched my episodes that I had to watch for the podcast. <laughs> and I still had so much fun listening to all the other ones. So you do not need to watch the Hulk Hogan show, Thunder in Paradise, uh, to listen to their episodes. Uh, they're a blast. And uh, check them out and check out every episode that those guys do. They are wonderful. Dan, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, and listeners, tune in next time for a To Be Determined episode. We'll see you then. The song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon.